The Christian religion is not like a buffet line, a modern smorgasbord of beliefs offering a wide range of tempting choices. Rather, it is the good deposit handed down to us in the scriptures through the history of the church that we might believe and confess who Jesus Christ is. To learn more about Pick and Choose Religion, pick up your copy of the November issue of The Lutheran Witness. To subscribe, visit cph.org witness or learn more at our website witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. I had a professor once who said, I decided that I always wanted to be original. And then I discovered that to be original in Christian theology means to become heretical. If God does not tell us, then we don't need to know. We shouldn't know. And so we we go with what God has given. What are the Ten Commandments? What are my neighbor's needs? When you realize that in the sight of God, your sins are gone and you are set free from them, that changes you from the inside out and makes you want to do the very will of God. The gospel is enough natural motivation to love the Jewish people and to look at them as that older brother who remain outside the party like in the prodigal son and to identify with the father who staying outside and pleading with them to come in. Say babies? Babies! Love? Love! Listening? Ning two two issues issues etc. Shredder with with their dear mommies mommies. What lie has our culture believed that has led to the normalization of abortion, and where did that lie come from? Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc., live on this Monday afternoon, November the 13th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to talk about the satanic nature of abortion with Dr. Peter Scare of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. We'll spend some time with Pastor Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 is the gospel reading that runs those propers for the coming Sunday. Then we'll go through listener email and the issues, etc. A comment line, the email address, talkback at issuesetc.org, and the comment line, 618-223-8382. Dr. Peter Scare is professor of Old Testament and chairman of the Department of Exegetical Theology at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. He's president of Allen County Right to Life, author of a column for the November issue of The Lutheran Witness, titled, God Creates, The Devil Destroys. Peter, welcome back. Yeah, great to be with you, Todd. How would you respond to someone who says calling abortion, abortion is certainly evil, but calling it satanic is hyperbole? Yeah, I think we have to speak in ways that will uh, open the minds of our people again. I think we've been sleepy on this for so long that sometimes we forget what's at stake. We're quite comfortable in repeating the words of Jesus who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we find that in John chapter 14. But in that same gospel, our Lord speaks about Satan, and he says he was a murderer from the beginning, and he calls Satan there the great destroyer. And that's the nature of Satan. He can't do what our Lord can do. Only God can create life. All he can do is destroy it. And we are living in truly satanic times. 
So people have an idea of what's going on. Satan knows, we know from the book of Revelation, that his time is uh, drawing uh, near. Our Lord's return comes ever nearer every day. And Satan, for all of his faults, he's not lazy and he's working very hard. And if you look at what Satan is doing right now, he's working his way up the food chain in the book of Genesis. So that when Satan looks at a child, he hates that child. He hates all children born and unborn. And so we have abortion. He hates marriage because he sees in that the relationship of Christ and the church. And so we have divorce and we have so-called gay marriage. He hates the fact that God created us male and female. And so we have this gender madness. He hates God the Father. And so we have this war against patriarchy. Satan is the mastermind. Our enemies are the devil, the world, and of course our sinful self. Satan, though, is the mastermind behind all of this. Certainly we see at hand, his hand at work in the evil that is abortion. You say that Satan has deceived us into believing that self-fulfillment and self-expression should be our life's focus. What do you mean by that? Yeah, and this is, Satan plays around with this idea of freedom. And I think that was part of the original sin. You'll be free from God and his commands. You won't have to take any orders from any Lord. And that you can be the Lord of your own life. Margaret Sanger understood very well, and she's the founder of Planned Parenthood. She wrote about her movement in very much ways that uh, she drew upon the, the language and the imagery of Genesis and the Garden of Paradise. And she wanted to create, and she's quite explicit, her own paradise in which a woman will have control of her own body, and that's autonomy. And the lie of that is, is of course, I want to be my own man, and I want to answer to no one. Margaret Sanger put it this way. She said, no gods, no masters. So nobody was going to tell her what to do. And I think that's at the heart of really all sin. But it's also at the heart of the consequences are really quite uh, sorrowful, because when we seek to make ourselves free in that way, and not freedom like God gave us, free to be who we were created to be, but the kind of freedom that the world is talking about is really to be unfettered. It's to be alone. It's to be left on an island without any relationships. And I think, you know, this came into the modern world with this idea from Rousseau that every man is born free and everywhere man is in chains. Is it true in a sense then that we are born free and not like he thought about it because we're really born tied to one another, but in the best kind of way. So we are tied together. I, th I mean, I wish we sang that hymn a little bit more often, blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love, because it's the bonds of love that tie us to one another in all sorts of relationships, the relationship between God and his uh, children in baptism, the relationship of a mother to her child, a husband to his wife. These are the things that make life worth living. And hell is always about separation, about breaking those ties. 
It's sold as freedom. You're going to break the, the ties that bind you, but it ends up in a profound loneliness and a kind of, and you know, we're seeing this. So many of our young people, so many people are born into this world with this kind of disconnect because so many children in our culture, they don't know their father. The father doesn't live in their household. And it could be a Thursday and the child's not sure what home he's going to be in for the weekend because the parents are divorced. And because of divorce, the child may or may not know who is or who is not an uncle or an aunt at any given time or who are the what used to be cousins based on marriage are no longer there. So it it's a blessing, really. And it, sometimes it's learned the hard way. I think that's the story of the prodigal son. He thought he was going to run away from home and he was going to find great joy on his own and probably wine women in song or something like that as a young person. And he ended up in kind of sorrow by himself. And of course, his life had broken down. And that's a fair picture of our culture, especially with the disintegration of the family and Satan working to break us apart. How does our culture view children? Yeah, I think it's so interesting now because sometimes I think, you know, with with this obsession about pets, and I love my dog, but dogs and grand dogs and that sort of thing, some wags have said we start to think of our pets as children and then our children as pets. There's also an element in which children are being commodified now, and that's certainly part of the whole, you know, the whole gay marriage movement where you see like Pete Buttigieg and his male partner with a baby there in the hospital. You wonder, where did that baby come from? Whose womb was out for hire? Where did they get this child? And no doubt it was purchased. But maybe the bigger one still is, if those things aren't in play, children can be thought of as an obstacle. And it all depends. It's a very strange lesson which abortion teaches us, which we should know better. We teach our children that their value doesn't depend on what other people think about them. So it's like that's basic high school 101 peer pressure. We want our daughters to know that they matter. It doesn't matter what that boy may or may not think. And our son should walk with a certain dignity as well because they are worthy and they've been created in God's image and they'll meet the right person when it happens. So we don't need to, and you got to be live that way. You can't live constantly seeking the approval of others. And St. Paul says, well, you know, who am I going to, whose approval am I going to seek? That of the men or the approval of God? So we, we know our worth as Christians, but abortion teaches us the exact opposite. Abortion teaches us that you look at the life in the womb, you look at that child. If the child is wanted, there's a baby shower and there are gifts and there's all sorts of congratulations and people are so happy and you look at the pictures in the ultrasounds and if the child is not wanted, well, then the child all of a sudden becomes nothing, and no one wants to look at that child in the ultrasound. No one wants to think another thought about that child, because now that child is nothing. And people will say, well, the child is an obstacle in the sense that you're too young to have a child now. I, my heart did break and I for the story about Britney Spears, because for all of her troubles, 
she was told, at least this is what she says, by her then-boyfriend, Justin Timberlake, no, we can't have children now. It's not the right time. We have to abort this child. And clearly that child was an inconvenience. It was an obstacle to, um, in this case, Justin Timberland, God be merciful to him, a poor sinner like all of us. But for Justin, that child was an obstacle and needed to be done away with and therefore became as if nothing in his eyes. Dr. Peter Scare is our guest. We're talking about the satanic nature of abortion on the other side of the break. He says that this idea of bodily autonomy is misleading. We'll find out what he means. This is Pastor Matthew Harrison, President of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The LCMS operates the second largest parochial school system in the United States. What can you expect from a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod school? There's one race, the human race. And Jesus died for the sins of every man, woman, and child from every land and every nation. Life begins at conception. All life is precious from womb to tomb. And every student, parent, and teacher is created in the very image of God. There's right and wrong, and we know which is which from the Ten Commandments. There are only two sexes, male and female, he created them. Marriage is the lifelong union of one man and one woman. There's such a thing as objective, absolute truth, and it's found in the person and work of Jesus Christ and his word. To find a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod school near you, visit lcms.org schools. Defending Life from Beginning to End. You're listening to Issues Etc. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we continue our study of the Book of Beginnings, Genesis, with Noah and family enter the ark, the great flood commences, the great flood prevails, God remembers, and the dove and olive branch. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Two millennia ago, Pilate uttered one of the most profound questions that we still ask in the modern era, what is truth? Many today would say that truth, like beauty, is in the eye of the beholder or perhaps in the heart. But that's not what truth is for the Christian people of God. Truth is found in Christ alone. To learn more about the Lutheran view of truth, pick up the November issue of The Lutheran Witness. Visit cph.org witness or our website witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about the satanic nature of abortion. Dr. Peter Scare is our guest, author of the column for the November issue of the Lutheran Witness magazine titled God Creates, the Devil Destroys. Lutherans for Life equips Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. 
Find out about how to connect with them during the National March for Life, January 19th in Washington, D.C., and check out their free pro-life resources at lutheransforlife.org, lutheransforlife.org. Dr. Scare, you say that the idea of bodily autonomy is misleading. Yeah, again, this gets to this question of really of the difference between independence and a solitary existence. St. Paul, he talks about this in his letter to the Corinthians, and there he's talking about marriage where he says, you are not your own. And of course, we belong to God. And uh, you can think of this as a kind of simply a servile relationship. I mean, we are his servants. But belonging really is to have a place at the table, a place where you fit in, a place where you are accepted and loved. And uh, I think so many young people, in, in a way, they are craving that. So you can say, my body, my choice, but we're created by God and redeemed by Christ, and we shall be raised again. And we are meant for him. We find our ultimate joy in God. And apart from that, we are kicking against the goads or we're swimming against the tide of our own existence. But then we see this in our human relationships. So Paul says to the woman, you're not your own. You belong to your husband. And then he turns around and says to the husband, you are not your own. You belong to your wife. And then we might think about that with children as well. Children really do belong to their parents, to to mom and dad. And because they belong to dad, there is a thing called marriage. And that would be true whether you're Christian or not. Marriage exists so that uh, we recognize the truth that children do need their dads. Children belong to their parents, but not as kind of uh, slaves to a pharaoh, not as kind of uh, property or money in the bank. They belong by the sense of uh, their human relationships. And it's those relationships that make life worth living. And, you know, besides Satan being the destroyer, he is the one who is the murderer from the beginning. He's also the one who separates. And there's a reason why in every church service, and really every Sunday we should do it, we, we move from baptismal identity in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we move towards communion. And communion is, again, to find the place where we belong. Communion is to be at one, to be at unity with the God who created us and then who redeemed us in Christ Jesus. And in that unity of spirit, we come together as the family of God, as uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, as fellow heirs. And that's the sense of of belonging and the sense of uh, again what satan wants is is the opposite he says you can be on your own you can be all you can be by yourself but you know whether it's again it happens in a lot of ways but you can think of the rich man alone with his money but there's no joy in that you can think of the king alone in his power all the things that satan tries to put before us as the things that will bring happiness well, of course, they won't. Satan can do the same thing with people. as You can turn people into things so that people to be bought and sold, people to be rented, I suppose, who supposedly will bring us joy. But, of course, that won't work 
either. So Satan is uh, the divider. He divides. He gets Adam and Eve squabbling with each other. He gets Cain mad at Abel. He is the one that causes anger and strife and bitterness and resentment and all the things that lead to the breaking of the bonds that should hold us together. How does the unborn in the womb give us insight into our interdependence that you talked about? Yeah, I mean, the more we know about life in the womb, and it's just fascinating, you know, everything that's going on there. But when you think, I've heard any number of quote-unquote pro-choice, pro-abortion people talk about, it's hard to even imagine, about the child as a parasite, totally dependent upon mom. A child is unviable, and then the child could be called a trespasser. The child is where he or she does not belong. But of course, the child didn't choose to be conceived, and none of us, I suppose, chooses our mom or our dad, but that is the natural relationship. As Christians, we see it as a gift of God. And then physically, it's just an amazing thing how the child is protected in the mother's womb, but also nourished through that umbilical cord. And the umbilical cord, you know, sometimes it's the proverbial, you've got to cut the umbilical cord, and there's a point to that. But in a sense, the umbilical cord reminds us, all of us, how dependent we are on one another. And the child is totally dependent upon mom. And I guess that's the the cruelest thing about abortion is it takes that which is the most sacred relationship of a mother and a child, and it turns so often, it's just so sad to think, the mother is not taught to or asked to consider these things, where the mother is turned into the the enemy of the one who most needs her love and the one who most deserves her love. And the umbilical cord is utter dependence of that child. And that dependence, of course, we know doesn't end with birth. None of us would survive except for outside of the womb, apart from the love and the care of others. And that goes throughout our life. It's a healthier way of looking at life, that we are dependent upon one another, upon the ones that we love. And we see this maybe more poignantly as we get older and we think how much we are dependent upon those who will take care of us in our many needs in older years to come. And of course, this then gets to our relationship with God. And and there again, it's all by, our life is by grace. We did not create ourselves. He continues to feed us, to clothe us, to care for us. It all comes for, as a gift from from God. So the very nature of the biology of the thing is meant to teach a lesson about or, or brings home the care that's given to the child and the responsibility that mother and father have. And it's, of course, broken apart in a most disturbing way through abortion. Some have said that with the passage of Issue 1 in Ohio and similar pro-abortion victories since the Dow ruling, that um, political strategists are suggesting that the abortion issue should be downplayed by pro-lifers for what we call pragmatic political reasons. Dr. Scare, what do you think about that? You're highly involved and public in the pro-life movement. This has always been a debate about we wish to save, we aim to save, we pray to save every child that we can. 
And there's a political dimension because we're living in a world where we've got to get the votes. And, you know, up until now, we've been working on the votes of legislators. And now we need to work on the votes as we see this referendum in, in Ohio upon the votes of the people, everyone who is voting one way or another. And it does mean, I think, we've got to redouble our efforts. We can't just assume that other people will take care of it. That's why I'm always rallying people. We all have a place in this. Maybe for some it's going to be 40 days for life. Maybe it's going to be volunteering at a pregnancy help center. Maybe it's going to be talking to local politicians or running for office yourself. And certainly prayers are necessary. And also, you know, it's also preachers got to preach about it. This is not simply some sort of political thing. These are the very issues of we got to choose between life and death, says Moses in Deuteronomy. That choice is ever before us. In one sense, of course, Christ has chosen us, but as Christians, we make that choice every day. And our Lord says, work while it's still day before the night comes and no man can work. So our voices are needed and pray without ceasing, but we should never also lose hope. And that doesn't mean simply to say, oh, it's going to be okay and it's all in God's hands. Yeah, it's in God's hands. And now he asks us to use our own hands in this work. So I think it's right back to work for all of us. Dr. Peter Scares, professor of New Testament and chairman of the Department of Exegetical Theology at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. He is president of Allen County Right to Life, author of a column for the November issue of the Lutheran Witness magazine titled God Creates and the Devil Destroys. The Lutheran Witness interprets the world from a Lutheran perspective. You can receive an annual digital and print subscription for less than $25. Learn more at cph.org witness or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040, The Lutheran Witness Magazine. Peter, thank you very much. Thank you, Todd. We'll be looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary, the gospel reading that from Matthew 25 has the parable of the talents. Pastor Sean Denzer will be our guest. How can Christians live out their faith in the church, the family, and the government? Find out in the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November, Faith That Shines in the Culture. It's written by regular guest Dr. Alfonso Espinosa. Learn more about Faith That Shines in the Culture at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. Faith That Shines in the Culture, the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November. Hi, my name is Rahima Kavuga, Director of Synod Relations at Lutheran Church Extension Fund. We serve the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and your investment with LCEF makes a world of difference. Your dollars enable LCMS churches, schools, and workers to access low-cost loans for vital ministries. Join us today at lcef.org and let's empower faith, strengthen ministries, and build a stronger LCMS community together. Lutheranism in the Public Square. You're listening to Issues Etc. 
Here at Elm Grove Evangelical Lutheran Church, you'll find folks just like you, sinners in need of what only Christ can give, the full forgiveness of all of our sins. In a world where change turns things upside down, we serve a Lord who never changes and who has promised to be with us always until the very end of the age. If you find yourself in the Milwaukee suburbs, look us up. Elm Grove Evangelical Lutheran Church is the only Lutheran church in Elm Grove, Wisconsin.